Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Today, I have a, a friend I can call that I've been trying to get to sit down with for a while, and he's been busy, you know, playing in championships and doing his thing. But this is JJ Ricasa. How you doing? Brian, thank you, man. I'm doing really, really good. Uh, life is really good, man. I would say. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. We are here at, at Dragon's Cup. So you've been out today, you know, rearranging stages and adding no shoes. We've had a lot of fun together. So I've been enjoying watching you work. I don't think there's many no, world champions, national champions that have actually come into a match and said, no, we need to do this. It's going to make it where people can slow down or really take their time in this area. So it's been fun to watch you, your mind work in that situation. It's been kind of interesting. Well, it was one of those things like two folds, right? Where um, Billy and Marco was like, hey, man, it'd be kind of good to have your input on some of these stages. Right. Saw the matchbook. I said, man, that matchbook looks good. I said, the match looks pretty decent. I don't I have much <laughs> to say. There's, it looks like it's easier than, but, you know, the matchbook always appears differently than the actual stages. Right. Once I finally got to walk through it, that's when I realized I was like, hey, these stages are really, really good. Right. Until I found out one stage where I'm like, we need to do something about that. And then Billy started regretting it. Immediately, he's like, why do we bring him over here? Why are we talking to him? Why are we even asking him for his opinion? It's been approved already. He's like, why are we... Uh, but but well, nonetheless, I think, it, it, I think even when you were there, it made an improvement. Yes? Oh, no. Oh, oh, see, I, I like going to matches early because I'll take my banners and I'll set up my own stage with banners. And I like to look at stages and go, if I put my banner here it really makes this target disappear unless you come around the corner and see it like you're supposed to. And if you're not ready for it, it can make that, you know, the stage is a bit harder because I, I don't shoot, but I'm a fan and, I, and I'm learning a lot about the sport. So I've had some placement of banners where I have been cussed out by some of the best as well. So yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, it's funny, it's, you know, I've been working all morning, right? Like Marco and I've been hanging banners. Yes. And I remember you coming over. I was like, Hey, can I hang my banners? And we're like, yeah, go ahead. But we, we were like, we were trying to do the whole time. Like, Hey, we can hide the targets, the appearance here. You know, you want your gun up and all that stuff. He mentioned it to you and I was laughing in the background because I wasn't part of the conversation, but I heard it. And he was like, Hey, we've just been trying to cover banners. So you were like, I'm already on that. That's where my goal is. And I was dying. I'm like, well, Brian seems to be doing it right. And for, for a non-shooter to recognize that, oh yeah, that means you've been, one, obviously, we know you've been almost every single match there is out three, there. Three matches, yes. No, I'm no, just no. kidding. Yeah, P.S. <laughs> every, almost every single match. Maybe you've missed three the last four years or five years, maybe. It's just unreal. The, the, the amount of effort and, and time that, and dedication that you put to the sport is amazing. So Thank you. So that's, that's one. And for you to recognize the ins and outs of it, the things that shooters don't want to see or that challenges mm -hmm. you, that, that says a lot. Right. Changes it up a little bit, but enough, enough about my goals to make people's lives miserable. <laughs> I don't really want them to know that. But anyway, you know, I don't know a lot about you on purpose. I haven't studied your history or anything. And because I wanted to be able to have a genuine conversation with you. So where, when did you start shooting? When did, when did this even begin for you? Because I don't know. So tell me, tell me what, you know, how, how'd you get started in this? So 
it, it all started through a necessity to protect the family, defensive stuff, right? Okay. Um, I was seven years old. Something happened, and my dad was like, "Hey, if anything ever happens like that again, right? We have a gun." What happened? If you can talk about so, it. So uh, we had a, a, a essentially like a small break in. Oh, right, an, a, an attempt to break in the house. My dad was a surgeon at the time. My mom was already in the U.S. Okay, uh, she's been here about four years at that time. As so I was seven years, old, she left about three years old to start the process of us coming to the U.S. having a life out here. Okay. My dad was always in surgery. Uh, she's a, he was a surgeon, general surgery. So he was getting called on call and all that stuff. And one of those times he would get called from 8 p.m. till 5 in the morning kind of type surgery, right? right? Emergencies or whatever it may have. And so one of those incidents happened. And when he came home from surgery, he's like, hey, what's going on here? Where are the kids? And we hid ourselves in a massive bedroom. And he literally goes, you don't have to hide anymore. We fell asleep hiding. Like that's how oh the, my goodness. We, we were so young. And didn't, you how know, many kids are there? There was my older sister. Um my youngest sister and me, there were three of us. Okay. Right. And then, so my dad wakes me up and he's like, Hey, he wakes us up. And he's like, if you guys ever have any issues again, he slides a drawer. And that was the first time I ever got to see a nice silver gun. And I didn't know what it was, but at, at the time, but it, it, it turned out to be a 1911 Colt commander. Wow. So I have a special little emotional attachment to a Colt. Right. I understand. And so he grabs it, clears it in front of me. And I don't know what he did, but I remember he takes something out and then he goes here. All you got to do is point at the door. If it's not anyone that you recognize trying to come at you guys, just pull this trigger. At seven. At seven. And he goes, you need to act like a man. He goes, you're the man of the house. Sisters, you need to protect them. And I remember looking at him like, he's not serious. No freaking way is he serious. So I grabbed it. Seemed really heavy. He goes, can you aim and pull it? Pull the trigger. And it went click. He goes, he goes, just do that. So he goes, we only have one magazine. This is it right here. Seven rounds. We only have seven rounds in the house. And I'm like, he goes, okay. He goes, I want you to dry fire that while I take a nap. Stay in the room. You started dry firing at seven. Yeah. So I didn't know what dry firing means. <laughs> no, of course. I don't think that's what he meant. Course, he's like, no. I want you to play of with it. Of course. The way I think now is like he said, dry, but he wasn't a shooter <laughs> right. neither. Yeah. So he would, he, I just, he said, rack it, pull the trigger. So I just did it while he was taking a nap. Cause he said, when he wakes up, he was going to take us to the range and actually shoot for the first time. Right. Wow. Cause the rounds are expensive. We weren't doing very well. We did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, we were middle-class, maybe even lower middle-class or something like that. Right. So even though my dad has a good profession, they didn't pay the same way it does here. Right. So when he woke up, he took us to the range and he grabbed one steel target, grabbed the gun. He loaded it up and he put one round on it. 45. Oh, right. At I was seven. seven years old. So <laughs> hold on for dear life is what he said and fire. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this for five hours. It's nothing different. Fired, hits, and a gun almost fell out of my hand. Whoa. My dad was there to catch it and hold me and protect me and all that stuff. But then he's like, all right, you can hit. That's all you need to do. We just need to do that over and over. And I remember thinking, it's like, I hope he doesn't ask me to shoot again. Luckily, he didn't. He was like, well, you can hit. You can do it. Good. Sit in the back. And at that time, it didn't make sense. But he explained to me later on, that rounds were super expensive. So to fire one round or multiple rounds was going to be too much for him to handle. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I have, I have your sister to try out. And the other two sisters got to try. My little sister was too young. She was six years old or five and a half. My older sister was about nine or 10 at the time. She got to shoot a couple more rounds than I did. And while he, she did that, she sat down and was like, All right, you guys are good. JJ seems to be a better shot. Only though, even though he fired one shot, I'm going to take over and practice as well. So he had 50 rounds and he fired last 30 or something like that. Next door to us, next bay, happened to be a guy that was setting up a field course, a group of guys, okay. five or six of them. And they were shooting, running around in and out of the field course or look like a house, window and doors. Right. And my dad literally walks up to them and he goes, what are you guys doing? Can I learn how to clear the room with you guys? He's like, we're not doing clearing room. We're just, we're shooting a competition. So what? What is this? 
And that was the introduction to it. And they gave him mags. They supported him. They said, here, take this belt. Can you hit? And he's like, yeah, shoot it. My dad used to have this grip, yeah. the over-under grip, and then to cup and saucer, shot the whole stage, missed a bunch, but he loved it. And said, come back Sunday. Because I think that was like a Wednesday. Come back Sunday and um, you can see a shoot and we'd love for you to join us. And then sure enough, he kept going back. And, and where was this at? Philippines. This in, was the in the Philippines. Philippines. Yeah. Okay. And then he shot and then we went home. Didn't see anything for a while. Didn't know anything about guns. Didn't know that he was shooting more. Right. Until he started coming back with trophies a year or two down the road. So you didn't know your dad was shooting? None. Oh. I knew he would do dry fire. So I'm like, oh, he's just training now because something yeah, happened. Because he told you to do that. Yes. He started drawing. He just started drawing in a holster. I'm like, man, he's got a, He's drawing from a holster. I don't know what that means. I, okay, so he's practicing. He's training for something, so right. he's ready. You, you, and impressing you, he's just training to protect the house. He, to me, yes, that's, that's what I understood. Yes. Yeah, he was training to to start doing well in competition. Holy cow! Because he knew he needed to improve the draw. He knew he needed to learn how to do this because right. everyone was better than him. And so I just watched him do that a couple of years, and then about eight, just further into my eight, maybe just before nine. I, he came home with a bunch of trophies one time and he traveled out of country or out of the city, the island that we lived in, came back with a bunch of trophies and he had a smile on his face. And I'm like, what is all this? And he's like, I want a competition. I've been shooting. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He goes, can I do it with you? And he's like, well, you can come. So I started going with him and I started seeing the match. And then there were other kids that were running around. So I played with them. And then finally, we'd get a chance to shoot. And then when they would go practice, now the kids, we became close. We'd go with them, we'd get to shoot a couple and play. And then eventually, I'm like, Dad, I want to do what you do. And so did you find out this was, what what type of division was this? This was IPSC? At that point, yeah, IPSC. Oh, okay, okay. And at that point, there was only one division. Okay. Single stack. Okay. 1911, classic, they called it. Yeah. And then so I said, Dad, I want to join it. And he was like, well, he goes, you, I want you to be able to draw and reload as fast as me. And he goes, the only way to do that is practice upstairs before I'll take you back to the range and take you seriously. So for six months, every day I did it. Now, okay, that it, it, nine years old now. Yeah. So you're still in school. Yes. Were you telling your friends about this at school? No, Do you they remember? had no idea. Okay. So you, no idea. Did your dad tell you not to tell anybody or was no. this something that you just didn't think to tell anybody? Didn't think to tell anyone. Okay. Yeah. But this is something you started taking as a passion because you saw your dad bring trophies home. It, yes, it was one of those things, but it was more like I was afraid that my dad would get mad at me if I didn't dry fire. Okay. So he's told me to do it every so is day. So is your dad a, a disciplinarian? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. He's he's a guy that's a man of few words. Okay. If he tells you one thing, you better listen the first time because the second time you'll hear him. <laughs> you'll <laughs> yeah. feel him you'll more feel than him. you'll hear him. Might as well say yes. growing up in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> Sometimes you'll, you'll start nodding to an answer. You don't even know what you, you heard, have. but you're like, yes, sir, yes. I know not to do this. <laughs> Continue with this story. This so, is great. So I, I, I started dry firing my butt off and then I to, to, to him... It was kind of one of those right to passage. If I dry fired my butt off and des and earned my way to shoot, mm -hmm. he would let me. But the way I understood it was dry fire every day. That's all I heard. And I feared that I was going to get punished if I didn't dry fire every day. So I would go home to school, from school, do my homework real quick, go upstairs and dry fire for an hour, an hour or two. I didn't know how long I would lose track of time until my friends would call me outside they would start yelling my name and it's time to play and i'm like i can't i gotta drive far first was there any other sports at that age you were playing yes time? i was doing karate okay. karate and then taekwondo at the time okay um any kind of organized sports oh, none basketball, basketball a little okay. bit here okay. yeah but i didn't really play in a team okay i wasn't very good at most of the things that i did even karate and the striking i wasn't very good okay but it was a foundation of my dad okay. my dad was a black belt okay judo commando instructor he was he was a mean son of a gun a, a scary <laughs> son of a gun and he was a bigger filipino so right 
right? Being 5'11 at the time and right. constantly worked out. He was also the inspiration. The reason probably why I wake up at four in the morning nowadays is because I would remember feel him waking up at four in the morning and then be back before I woke up. He's already run miles and miles. He's already hit the gym before his work started. Okay. That was his thing. So anyway, my dad had a lot of influence in how I do things now. So I drive him for six months later. I said, dad, I think I can draw pretty fast. So he six said, months. Yes. Before he took you to a match. Yes. To, okay. he took me to, a bunch to, of matches, to shoot, to shoot, to practice. Six, six, Not six, even months, shoot a match six or, months of drive yes. to earn yes. his. Okay. Well, that's when I thought I was good enough. It wasn't, he didn't give me a time. Okay. I just thought, I think I can draw as fast as you, if not reload as fast as you. And he goes, let's see. Oh. And so I got upstairs and my sister held the belt because it was big. And my sister she would was hold the belt when you did it. The belt. Yes. You would hold the belt. <laughs> or I would tie it. But this time I just wanted to prove. So my sister yeah. would hold it. And I'd put the 45 in my hand and drew it out, click. And he's like, I want you to do a reload. And I remember just doing a reload the first time and I shoved it in. It went right in. And he goes, that's better to reload than mine. He goes, how did you learn to do that? I was like, I just watched you how to do it. So I did, but I didn't know you had to drop a mag. Right. So I would just reload and throw the mag in. Right. So I skipped the step of pressing the mag until we went to the range and I found out real quick that you can't just reload. He's like, I was like, what, why is that stuck there? And he's like, well, yeah. you need to take that off by pressing this. I was like, I can't reach it. He's like, well, press it with this. Oh. And so I would press it with that. And I'm like, well, that adds just a step, but everything else is the same. That's not, not that's not, that's not a problem. So I dry fired that for a week, came back the next week, got better. And then that was it. Next thing you know, I was like, Hey, maybe I think he asked permission from my mom. Cause I'm gonna let this how, did, how, did, how did that go over with mom? Not good. My mom was anti-gun. <laughs> oh, anti-gun. That's was, a big word. Anti-gun. Anti-gun. Yes. She was not about guns. She was okay. not a fan of guns. She's like, well, I'd like it in the house for protection, yeah. but not to run around in or play games with. Not a sport. Not a sport. And then, so my dad was like, I'll take responsibility. He was the responsibility you're taking is his life. He's like, he, my dad was in like, I'm eyes, ready yes. for it. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. My dad was like, I'm ready. For, he's ready for it. He's at nine or 10 by now. At nine. Nine. I was still early <laughs> into my nine, nine and a half. Right. And, uh, so finally he goes out to the range and we start training really hard. Were these conversations, do you remember these conversations being with you around or behind closed doors? Just curious. It's, it's in and out. You know we, how it is back in those times well, where a lot of conversations didn't happen out in front of everybody. No, but here's the thing. My mom wasn't with us. Okay. My mom was in the state, so it was long distance. <sighs> so oh. long distance calls, all of us kids would be in the room whatever conversation they would have. Okay. Whether serious, adult, grown up. Because we were waiting for our chance to talk to my mom. Got it. Because that was, we had very minimal interaction with my mom did this for 10, I guess I get goosebumps every time. My mom left us at 10 years old to sacrifice and be, start the process of us having to live here. Wow. So 10 years of her life, she would move home, try, go home for vacation for two weeks that she's allowed to do. Yeah. Two weeks or one week, she would fly right back Renew home. Renew her visa and go again. Yes, yeah. And that was, that's rough. I did that for two years here with my wife and my kids because my wife was Secret Service when I left government. This is a conversation we could possibly go on later. Well, your wife was Secret Service. Okay, let's please continue. That is another story yes. I, I want to get to, but you continue. Was a badass also. That, can, wow. <laughs> continue with um, nine like, years old so discussion years with mom. Oh started my shooting. My mom was like, no, I don't like it. My dad said, convince her somehow. She's like, well, my mom can't really say no. She had no okay. control. So he's like, as long as you let him be safe. It's like, oh, it's going to be safe. She had no idea we were running around, like reloading and doing. She this thought they were just shooting. This wasn't steel challenge, still no, stationary. No, no, no. We didn't even know steel challenge yet. Yes, <laughs> so I started doing this, and then I started. I started to beat people. I started to place, place middle of the pack. Started going higher and higher. Okay. By ten, um, I was a kid. I had really big hands, big forearms, but skinny everywhere else. 
big head, big forearm, big head, because my body grew to what I'm doing every day. Mm -hmm. It created a necessity for this control. So this needed to get big and this needed to get big. And my forearm, I bet you, my hands were the same size that it is now, you know, back then in nine years. I could, I'm almost positive it was, right? My forehead is also the same size. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's what started and I started to win. And then articles were written about me in the Philippines because I was one of the kids. And then my friends that were sons of the other shooters started to do with me. And so there were a few of us that did it and we were starting to create waves. And then so we would win and articles were written and I would go to school. It's like, hey, you're a shooter? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we read an article that you won something. I'm like, oh, that's cool. People are starting to know me. Now, I remember, yeah, it was the coolest thing in the world. And then by t- fast forward three years later, I'm 12, 13 years old. Um, I'm bigger, much more capable. I went to go try out for my first world shoot. And I didn't know I was trying out for my first world shoot. I believe that was 1993. And I think it was going to be in London or I think London, not Brazil. Brazil was three years later, 96. But anyway, London or British. Yeah, I remember talking to Frank. It was 93 in London. London, 93. Okay, so London, I was trying out for the Philippines. At that time, there were no junior team. So they were just picking the top four Philippine shooters. And that top four were the guys that have won here. They've been doing it for a long Jethro time. Jethro Junisho, if, any, yeah, if you guys know. That name. Yeah, Jethro is a, a legend in the Philippines. So anyway, they've been training like crazy. So we go try out. I play sixth overall as a 13-year-old in the entire Philippine roster. The best of the best in the Philippines offer. At that age, I play sixth overall. I think sixth or seventh, something like that. Wow. Yeah. So you made the team? No, or no. As soon as I think they, they were, four. they were trying to uh, um, petition that I, I should make the team, being a junior, so young, okay. to represent in, a, in some world championship or whatever. But the budget wasn't there. Uh-huh. You're right. This time, there's such a small community, um, and then to fly us all the way there, I didn't have visa, whatever. So anyway, they didn't make it. They didn't allow me. So I was like, all right, didn't make it. So I stopped shooting. Ninety three, moved to the U S. Gave it all up. Didn't so, shoot till so you got you got in the U.S. Uh-huh. in '93. Yep, and you didn't shoot at all. No, September 1993 was the first time I got to the U.S. New Jersey. So what'd you do? New Jersey, New York, Newark, New Jersey. Yes. So what'd you do there? We lived in my uncle's basement for the first bit to to get established and know yeah. what we're doing. Um, played as a kid and grew up as a kid. Okay, fought a lot. <laughs> Did you really? Because I didn't know I didn't know how to speak English and in the Philippines or at least where I grew up, it was, if we had a disagreement, I can't talk to you. Right. So it's like, let's fight and we'll figure it out later. Either we respect each other or you win, then you can have my pencil. That was right. like one of the things. <laughs> but anyway, um, I realized you can't just fight everyone here because you get suspended or do whatever. I got lucky and never got suspended. But my dad was like, if you're going to fight somebody, you better beat their ass, right? Whatever. So your dad was here too at that point. Yes. So everybody so we was, here. was here. That was everybody the first time we were finally together. Wow. Yeah. So there was no travel. There was nothing. It was just grow up, grow up, grow up. And then finally we got, our f- I started playing golf and for high school or something like that. My dad was doing golf. But anyway, golf was my thing for a little bit. And then my dad one day was discovered shooting here. read a magazine that they're shooting. Because we didn't, well, Jersey, I thought shooting was just out west. That was yeah, it. Did, did he leave it? Did he, did he bring his gun with him for we protection? Sold, it all. So sold everything. So we sold everything to get enough money to get us started here. Sold the gun and everything she started gun. off with. I can show you the pictures of gun. I'll send you a picture of it. It's amazing. Wow. It's a picture, a gun. Literally a kid would make it. It's a Tasco Pro Point. Cause my, cause I went from single stack to open with no, with no, with, I opened with a, just a compensator iron sights. Okay. And then that eventually a couple years down the road, you were able to put a mount and then a red dot. That's the evolution of open. Yeah. I was there from the start. Right. Right. And so my final gun had literally had neon stickers on my red dot. Wow. Because I wanted it to look like a toy. Cause I was a, 
obviously a kid. Yeah. And so that was it. I just, all I did was train my butt off. I did some karate, uh, martial, martial arts, I guess you could say, and then shot, shot my butt off when I was a kid. But we couldn't afford to shoot as much. But my club, the Cebu Practical Association, Rifle Association, Pistol and Rifle Association, they supported me and they were able to give me ammo. They liked me as a kid somehow. I've always had this personality, the bubbly one that always laughed. My dad was the opposite. So I was a complete opposite of my dad. So they were, so them having my dad around was having me, having me was a blessing. Is your mom bubbly like that? My mom is very friendly. Okay. Yes. My, I have my mom's personality. Okay. Okay. Yes. If I had my dad's personality, it would be a different conversation out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> the shooting my dad always says that too. He's like, man, he goes, I'm glad you don't have my personality. Nice. I kind of have his temper, but oh, yeah, I have my mom's personality. So back to your temper in high school when you decided to, you know, it was fight to, to get through the language barrier. What was that like in New Jersey? Different. It was so different because it was the only thing, I, the only communication that I could equal everyone with was sport. Basketball okay. was my, my way in. And okay. whenever we played basketball, there'd be a dis disagreement. And I would always, I don't know how to say what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. So I would just put my hands up. I'm like, okay, you don't like what I'm doing. Let's do this. Oh, I don't like what you're doing. And they're like, whoa. So a bunch of black kids loved it. And they were like, Hey, we like Simon. They call me Simon. We like Simon. Cause you don't, you're not afraid to fight. And I'm like, no, he just, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying, but fight. Let's agree. And they're like, man, this guy's crazy. So they love <laughs> me. They said, man, you can hang with us any day. You've seen him play basketball. Well, right. You're not afraid to freaking take on anyone. Right. Hang out with us. So that, was, that could be very aggressive basketball on, 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 a, on a, on a Friday afternoon out, out of school it can be very aggressive Correct. on the court. Especially being a small Asian kid <laughs> surrounded by big Americans at that time. Right? right. So they did, they love me. They took me in and basketball was my way in. Okay. So sport was always the thing. So I said, Oh, I, I can, I like this cause I have a group of friends now. So, I'll play more basketball. I'll train more, right? Okay. Like I, the way it was instilled earlier, I'm going to train more. So I start shooting in my off time and doing all this stuff. So did golf go anywhere not, through uh, high school? So yes, it, it's weird. I, my dad, one, when I was like 17, he's like, hey, I'm going to the driving range. <laughs> this is crazy long ass story because I was long history. <laughs> it's okay. But basically, he's like, he's like, hey, we're going to the driving range. You want to come? I'm like, driving range? Yeah, I want to drive. I'm 17, 16 years old. So I didn't know what driving range meant. He takes me to a freaking golf where you hit balls. And I'm sitting there for an hour and I'm watching him hit ball after ball. I'm like, this is horrible. I'm like, when do we get to drive? He's like, no, we're driving. This is the driving range. And I'm going, this is the worst trip ever. And he's like, you want to hit some balls? I'm like, might as well. Here. So I grab and I have this weird innate ability to watch somebody do something and feel what my body should feel and go, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Or I can go, I recognize it, go, I can't do that, right? So something right. like that. So he, he gives me a golf club, take it, put it in my hand, threw a golf and then swung it. Boom, nailed it. But he went to the right or whatever it was. Okay. Nailed it. He goes, do it again. Hit it again. And he goes, can you make it go straight? And I'm like, I think so. I, just, I think I just have to turn this. I made an adjustment. Go straight. And he goes, stop. And how old was this? I was about 17. 17, you said. Yeah, yes. yeah, go continue. And then he goes, stop. And he goes, I need you. He goes, that's amazing. Because golf is not that easy. You should be able to hit your first three balls out of the bat. And he goes, how'd you learn? You played before? I'm like, I watched you for an hour. Swinging balls, missing all over the place. I thought it was easy to hit. I thought this is how someone that sucked is supposed to look like. So I said, I thought I was sucking as long as it didn't go straight. And he's like, no, hitting the ball is impressive. So at that time, he was already doing well. He, was, he had a good job. So he bought me 10 private lessons. Oh. Yes. And then the guy told me, he's like, he's never played golf before. So the guy's like, okay, he happens to be an, a former 
senior PGA tour guy. He plays in a tour at that time, but he was just uh, teaching okay. during the time since he lived in Jersey and West Coast is where he toured. So he took me in, Bob Rate. I'll never forget his name, Robert Bate, but we called him Bob Rate. And that was gray hair, real trim guy, <laughs> some amazing uh, swinger. And then, um, hit the ball the first time and he's like made an adjustment it's like are you sure you've never played before and he couldn't believe it and he's like you have a knack for this let's keep playing and i'll train you more than you'll ever need to be trained i thought you're a beginner i'm like i am a beginner i've never swung before this is my 10th swing and he's like you have a lot of things we'll make an adjustment and then so there and then i tried out for the golf team in the, my high school first year okay i get ranked number two so and is this a junior then junior junior, junior year. year okay yep get ranked number two in the entire high school <laughs> so they're like hey you need to go move up to varsity because you're number two player right now. So I, play, I go play in varsity and within half the way through the season, they're like, you're the, our best player. So you need to move up to number one spot in high school. So I'm like, man, I got my trainer was telling me to do these things. Now I can, I'm just getting confident. That's all it was because yeah. I'm getting successes and stuff and people are yeah. seem to be noticing. So I wanted to try harder. So I'd go in my backyard, constantly analyzing things. How was your dad pushing you to practice or did you do it on your own at that age? It was kind of both. He would just tell me, he's like, hey, I'm going to work. I'm going to drop you off at the golf course. If you want to play, you need to wake up at five in the morning. I'll drop you off and then I'll go to work. And after my work, I'll come back and pick you up. So if you can play one or two rounds, because it took like four or five hours yeah. to play, I'll meet you here, wherever you are on the second round. He goes, play for two rounds every day or every other day, whatever, however we could afford it. He would pick me up and I would just be in a golf course the whole day for eight hours. From five, six o'clock in the morning, he'd go to work. I'd, I'd wait because I wouldn't have a reservation tea time. I would wait as a single for a final, uh, for, uh, for a to get in a triple group. to yep. get in a group mm -hmm. and start playing with them. And then I would do that twice. Sometimes I would be able to do twice. Sometimes I would be able to do one and a half, depending on his schedule. Or, or depending on how fast the group you're Correct. in. Correct. Yeah. And I always <laughs> I've been on some groups like, yeah. Six hours later. Yeah, exactly. Good they're having, they're having a great hours. time, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to have a great time. Right. I was just trying to learn. Yeah. And so that's what my, my training went outside of training. Was there a lot of people when you were at that age that when you get grouped or with somebody else and all these strangers, because you don't know them at the time, were there people trying to tell you how to do things at that age? Or do you remember like, or, or were they just like mad because you were beating them and they didn't know who you were? It, it was weird. It was, there were some guys definitely better than me at the time. Like, okay. Hey, try this and do this. And they would, they would just comment and make these, whatever, right? right? But it, when I was 18, my senior year in high school, okay. I started playing competitions and stuff like that. I was, um, I was playing so well that they, they were, that was when Tiger was, was getting big uh -huh. in 1998. And I remember I was, I was, I was dark cause I was always in the thing and I had white teeth. So they're like, man, you look just like Tiger. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's cool. Cause I'm Asian, I'm dark skinned. Right. And I'm like, well, that's cool. And they're like, man, you play like him. Like you can hit the balls. Like you have really good control. I'm probably a, at that time, maybe almost like a scratch player. Okay. Like I was pretty decent. Wow. Yeah. I was good. I was if not single digit handicap, right? I remember being a scratcher. So anyway, played, 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 and then and then all of a sudden, my, by the time I was eighteen, going to college, my dad was like, "Hey, do you want to?" Um, I graduated school, didn't play for any college, didn't get recruited because I played only for a year and a half. So no schools, no school. So I went and okay. walked on to Seton Hall University. And I said, "Can I play for you guys?" And they said, "We don't," because I went to Seton Hall, and they was like, "We don't, we don't do walk ons." And I said, "I don't want what a walk on is, but can I try out?" I said, "No, we don't do that." We, we recruit. We have a Princeton guy from this and this guy and this guy. And I go, okay. And I said, who are you? And then one of the kids walked in and was like, Hey, you're that, you're, you're, you're Simon. I'm like, yeah. He's like, congrats, man. He goes, you won the, I won the last Pioneer Junior competition. 
a big one, I guess. They did, I head didn't started turning real quick in the office. And so he goes, you're, he goes, you're the guy. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I, I think it was like, I wasn't, I didn't win that one, but I think I placed third. And he was like, congrats, man. You did good. You beat me on that one. And that was their number one player. And he goes, what's your name? And they looked at the result and he goes, so you're this guy. I'm like, yeah, that's my name. And he goes, well, come out to a charity game this weekend. So I went out to a charity game and they're like, you do all right. We can't do anything for you, but we can keep you as a reserve player. Mm -hmm. We can't sponsor you. We can't um, put you in a pay or whatever it was. You can't yeah. scholarships. Yeah. No money coming to you. Yes. This is, you're on your own. But we can get you some books and we can get you some meals if you want, right. just as long as you played. But during that And that's time, all you want to do is just play. All I want to do is play. And my dad, one day I came home and he was like, there was a holster and a gun. A Derek custom, millennial custom gun <laughs> in, my, in my bed. And he's like, you came home yes. from playing golf yes. and on the bed was, was a holster and a gun. Yes. And okay. he's like, happy birthday. And <laughs> happy I said, birthday. What's this? And he's like, he goes, if you want to shoot again, we can shoot again. I figured it out. There's a local range. And I said, heck yeah, I'll do that. So all summer I did that and golf. Okay. Right. Until the point where he was like, you got to give one thing up. He goes, see the golfer shooting because you're taking six hours training shooting, another five, four hours of training with your golf. You got to have a life. You can't just do this. So basically you said, well, Tiger Woods has got this. Let me go do this. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need I for me to be the Tiger Woods. Yeah. The Tiger's already here. I don't need to be here. <laughs> Let's just go to the shooting side and see what they need me over there. Yeah. So that's where I went. I decided to do that. And drop yeah. the golf clubs. Drop golf clubs. I haven't. Played here and there. I really haven't played. Yeah, much. I've seen a couple of videos at Top Golf, and this makes so much more sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, like the swing is still there. Yeah, exactly. I right? saw that. I can feel yeah. everything that I can do, but yeah. it just doesn't do what I want it exactly. to do anymore. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's a complete opposite. It's a crazy story. So you went, dropped the clubs. Yep, and haven't stopped. Did, did, the, did the school try to get you to come back? Nothing. They were like, "Wait, are you still playing?" And they called a couple of times and said, "Hey, we we might have a guy that's going an injury list or something like that." You finally had a chance to go get on a scholarship, and you didn't never, take it. Never look back. <laughs> I said, no, I'm good. What kind of gun did you get when At you first time? Got it? it was a millennial custom Derek Janowitz. Okay. And here's the crazy thing. You want to hear another I, crazy I, thing? I'd love to. That was the only gun we've ever purchased. Wow. Ever in my life, in our lives. That was the only gun. Ever since then, it's been fortunate and I've been supported since. Okay. Crazy. So, so you're still in New Jersey? Yes. You have a gun. Yes. And I'm not sure what gun laws were like back then because I'm sure it's not easy. So Horrible, yes. you, you graduated college and we got, yes. got through college. Yes. When did you, when you went with your first shooting match, what was this like? So going back into it again after that time off, it, it was like, it was like picking up a single stack all over again. And I remember every, we would, I'm now double stack. I didn't know what double stack was 2011 versus 1911. Okay. I go from 1911, 13, six years later, seven years later, right to a 1911, a 2011. Shot my first match, even though we practiced high capacity, but as soon as we started shooting field courses, the muscle memory, if you can call that neuroplasticity development, whatever, as soon as I would shoot eight rounds and move to a position, I would immediately reload. It was a natural thing from what I did in 1993 for so mm -hmm. long, five years. And so I would do this, I would reload, reload until it took like two or three stages. And I'll never forget Dave Alhasso. He's still around. You get you yeah, know, right? Yeah. So Dave Alhasso um, comes up and he's like, he was the top shooter in Jersey. He was like, who is this kid running around? No one ever knew him, knew, knew me. And I just came out of nowhere. And he goes, I came in second just underneath him. Right. And they were like, what is going on? He's like, and then some, a lot of guys were like, you're going to start beating Dave. He's a GM. He's a, he's a master. He's a, G, or he's a master class time. He's going to be a shooting GM. He's a top dog here. You're going to start beating him. I'm like, okay. Wow. That's how it started. Let's yes. let's take a quick commercial break. Listen to one of our sponsors because I definitely want to follow up on this. That's amazing. This week's podcast is brought to you by Conagold. 
Conic Gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder. There are many hemp companies out there that get lost in the crowd, but Conic Gold sets the gold standard with its premier line of products. When traveling all around with a magical mystery tour to different matches, I travel around with lots of different flavors, including pink grapefruit, candy apple, and vanilla cherry. Make sure to stop by and get some for yourself. They are all zero calories, zero sugar, use organic hemp, and are THC and CBD free. Competitive shooters love them because there's no shakes, no headaches, and no crash. When you order from conagoldhemp.com, make sure to use discount code HUNTERSHD for another 20% off. So you're into it now. You just came in second place to Dave Hawaii. Local match. Local, local match. match. Yeah. And you're in a situation where... How much you are you out of you're not out of college yet? Nope. So I'm, you're still in school. I'm freshman year. Okay. Yeah. So what did you did you talk to Dave personally? Yeah, we started talking. Okay. Because like, it was such a small group of guys. I okay. Mean, being in Jersey, right? So there's not many shooters. So there's such a, group, a small group of guys. And he started coming. He's like, Hey, where'd you come from? Michael Philippines. He was like, You shot there? I'm like, oh, you shot before? I'm like, Yeah, I shot a little bit. But I never told anyone what how much I really shot. I said I shot a little right. bit. That's what I did. You still had the golf club stickers on your car. Oh, okay. oh 100%. <laughs> so, I was still a golf, more of a golfer than I was a shooter. You were a golf mind, exactly. Yes, yes. But playing golf, and in the situation where you play golf, I studied golf for a while before I got into, into what I'm doing now. You have a different focus yes. that changes everything because there's people watching. There's a, There's the crowd and everything around you. So do you think that help you with your mental game? No. Okay. Screw it. I mean, I would say, I, I, I say no, Okay. but it gave me a good head start. Okay. Being able to perform on that first tee box and not care or learn how to shut people down or off. Right. And it's just you and the club and the ball. Okay. Allowed for me to be able to figure out a faster process on how to perform in front of random people in matches. Mm -hmm. So yes, I would say yes, but shooting is a totally different ballgame. Oh, it is. It's an aggressive sport. Mm -hmm. Golf is very serene and quiet and peaceful and scenic. We're getting down and dirty on here. Right. You know, and it's aggressive and, but you got to tame that aggression. If not, you can eat it. So yes. So it, it did gave me an ability to be able to have some sort of process where most people don't have that process right? right? where I competed at that level. And this one just was, it's a single sport. This is also a single sport. Mm -hmm. It's totally different playing than a team sport. And what college, what were you going to college for? I was going for business management, business okay. management at the time, but then it turned into business management information system. So I was getting into the computer th mm -hmm. side of things. My dad was pushing that. He was like, Hey, computers is a good thing. He goes, well, I didn't know if you were going to get in, like your dad was a surgeon. I didn't know, were you going down the same path as your dad to be a surgeon or a doctor? I didn't enjoy blood as much. Okay. Even though I kind of want, I was thinking maybe I'll become a doctor. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed numbers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> numbers, Asian, it was an easy fix, right? <laughs> Engineer, right? that was a big thing. That I knew that was going to pay well. I just wanted to get into something that paid well. Right. And I knew business management and then, and then it turned into, because I heard a lot of finance and accounting and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. That was going to get me set for like numbers. And then, um, and then eventually it led to information system and computers were starting to develop, okay. start getting internship for like, um, at that time, uh, Linux or Le I forgot what it, the company now. Damn it. It's they, I'm sorry for that word, but, um, that's no, okay. They, um, they went, I have bankrupt. a lot of people on the podcast, they do. Quite okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so you work for a, you know, like my dad, you know, he worked for Burroughs 
And then they were bought up by Unisys and everything else in the computer world. So he went through that back in, when I was growing up. Yeah. So I'm familiar with that area a little bit based on what he did. But so you, you had to start paying for the sport yourself at some point. Were you sponsored right out of the gate when no. you started shooting? My dad, did, when did this work? My dad was my sponsor. Okay. At the time he was doing well, um, well enough. And my mom was been here for a little bit. My mom was a head nurse, right? So she was, okay. she was a nursing in nursing field. She moved up later on. She's, she was able to achieve, I think the director of OR, the highest ranking. Nurse so when there's a gun on the bed. And the, and the holster. How did, was mom okay with this at this time? Oh, yeah, at this older? point, yes. Okay. She, she's seen pictures. She's seen okay. my matches. And she's seen how many trophies I've won. So okay. at that point, she was totally this was a, This was a dead issue at it that was, point. Yeah, it was, okay. not, it was a non-issue at all. It was a moot point at that point for even her to bring it up. It was became a part of the family. Even right. the family knew, like, this is what we do. Okay. We shoot. And here's a crazy story. Back in back seven, six years, back in the Philippines, real mm -hmm. quick. There was a lot of hijack, carjacking, if you were or kidnapping going on when we would drive from one place to the next, you could get pulled over and they would, they would get the, my dad or whoever the adults out and then the kids and whatever. Right. And then extortion you for money or something. Wow. But anyway, um, so at that time I, I was already carrying my gun by the time I made B class. And at that time there was no GM. It was only as high as master. My dad was a class. I was B class. Around 11, I started to carry my gun. Every day every, where the family went, I would just put on my belt bag. And carry. At 11? At 11. 11. Oh. I have pictures of it to show you my belt bag that I would run around. People used to think it was funny. I would play games. My uncles would know that I would carry. And he's like, hey, hey, stop. I would stop in the middle of a play uh, game. And it would be like, hey, can you just, I'm telling my friends, show what you have in your belt bag. And I would literally just rip it open because it was... It would it would go down my pants like an appendix carry, mm -hmm. and then it was um, I would take it off and it would it would be two mags facing right here, and then I would have my gun sitting in my appendix, unloaded with a magazine right hammered down as a nineteen eleven my competition gun because that's the only gun we had we never we didn't buy anything, and my uncle would be like oh that's cool see that's my son who's a champion shooter oh that's my nephew champion shooter and it, you would you would never know but he's a he's a hell of a shot. And, and I'd also be like, wow, that's cool. And, but I would never let anyone touch it. Right. I would close it. Because there's so much responsibility yeah, around 100%. this at, at 11 years old. 100%. This is like even the, the so much responsibility. Conversation right now would mind blow for a lot of people. Like, right. how did that happen? My dad's irresponsible. It is the crazy thing about it. There was the mindset of us back then was survival. So you, you got to remember that, right? That's correct. There were conversations. This was a normal conversation with where we're, when we're driving, my dad would talk about, look at that paper bag. That paper bag, you don't want to run it over. And especially if there's two, you always want to run in between because that could be filled with nails where your, your car would go flat. You would go down a hundred yards down and you would get carjacked. So all these things like look for dark spots, look for couples on mopeds, always pay attention. So as a kid, we were always swiveling around like, Hey dad, there's two guys on a moped um, over here to your left. He's like, yep, I see them. And there was always communication as we were driving, mm -hmm. right? Th third world country living in a third world. This, the threat was always real. And then there was always conversations like, Hey man, just remember that you're good enough now. Don't, if I ever get in a hostage situation, you got to shoot, shoot. Do not wait for them to, to give me up or hope that nothing's going to happen. We have a gun for a reason to protect yourself. Right. So conversations like stay away from my neck. If he's over here, anywhere here, you can shoot through, but they'll stay away from my bone. This is good through soft tissue here. I think the one side was clear versus the other because appendix or something like that. Because you can shoot in and then he goes anyway here. Just stay away from my neck and we'll be all right out. Don't worry about shooting through me. That's the conversation. We, the group, the CPRA club that I was in was always talking these threats. And it's like, hey, this is the stuff. They would bring in an Israeli trainer and I would train with the Israeli trainer. They would talk about tactics, covering room, moving with the group, learning how to manipulate your gun. And at that point, we were so trained with muscle discipline from the 
from the sport that it was a natural thing for us to move around and not cover anyone, whatever it may be, right? It was just move this guy and then shoot from here, move this, come over here. And it was just as a kid. So I did that and carried my gun. And I'll show you pictures later on from 11 to 13. That, that was not a, that was not a question. It was just something my dad would always bring and give to me. And his rationale was always, this was always saying, he's like, Hey, he goes, no one will ever expect you to shoot. No one will ever expect a young kid like you to be able to pull a gun and manipulate and save the family. They will think it's me because I'm the one that's in shape, the big guy. So yeah. it would hit me. And then I want you to be able to survive because whether I'm dead or not, you will go home because of you. And I was a responsibility as a kid. You're like the private security at 13 years old. 12, 13. Yeah. yeah. I could drive a car at that point. I knew how to drive stick shift already. Like, yeah. It, There's a lot of things that may be legal in the Philippines that just are no, unheard of yeah. here in the United States. I have an 11 year old carry it here. Yeah. Blow people's mind. Oh, yeah. No, Over no, there, you, totally no, normal. You, you get, you lose your kids. Totally normal. <laughs> they don't even let you keep your kids if that happens yes. here in the States. Yes. <laughs> You're yes. not carrying nothing. Drive at 11 years old, 12 no. years old by yourself and stick no. shift. Yeah, they cancel the parents insurance. Doesn't yes. work out. <laughs> you would get a visit by the government in your house. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so much, so much to divulge right there. <laughs> I know. Fast forward seven years later, That's gun. Right. I'm shooting in the U.S. Yes, and 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 you found out you were good getting right back into it again. Yes, it so, was. It was much. It wasn't as long as I th we thought it was going to be. It was the draw came right back as soon as I saw a dry fire. I knew the process that mm -hmm. if I just do this a lot, this is how I got good in the Philippines. We didn't shoot a lot. Right. I just dry fire a lot, an hour to each day, reload a lot. I know I can compete to the best of them. So I just did that and trusted that. You were 20, 18 at that time. Oh, 18. 18, 19. Yeah. Because you were in college. Yes. 1999 is when I started really. So 19, uh, I was 19 already. Okay. And literally I would drive my butt off and I would show up to the first match ever. Right. People would wonder like how long I've been in it because my draw was faster than most guys. Were you still going by Simon then? Yes. At the okay. time. Well, shooting was always JJ, which is weird. Simon was every one of my friends, but in the shooting world, I always put JJ. So the two worlds were separate. My oh. real life was Simon. Shooting was just JJ. And this is a cool throw because it comes back together later on okay. as my, my life develops, right? And so JJ, so no one knew my world in college. No, my, none of my friends knew that I would go out and shoot in the weekends and train why I can't go out, why I'm missing weddings and why I'm missing birthday parties, why I'm missing trips. I can't go to spring break because shooting, I had shooting. So they didn't know that. So they just said, oh, this guy just likes to live in, with his family. And he just wants to hang out with them. He's Asian. They left, let me, left me alone. <laughs> JJ and shoot Simon was totally different pers personas too. She almost had like an alter ego. Almost. Yeah. Like I was confident with JJ. I'm going out there as JJ and have fun. And I knew what I was doing. Yeah, in they, they, they usually get people medicine for that. Now. I guess so. Yes. <laughs> bipolar. And Simon was this very fun, God loving going guy that just enjoyed life. But that very... Almost not shy, but I was always outgoing, but shyer essentially. Okay. And then, yeah, fast forward, 9 11 happens. And then that's when my two worlds started to collide, where my professional work started to start to go into the shooting world. 9 11. 9 11. So the, the, the tower, Twin Towers. Oh, yes. Right? Crash. I get recruited. I meet a guy. Recruited? To um, um, contracting. Oh. Instructor contact to be an instructor, right? Mike Seaclander is like, what are you doing nowadays? This is nothing. I lost my gig at Lucid Technology. Okay. Um, uh, they, they're going bankrupt because of the 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 the, the recent terror attacks. So I no longer have my sixty thousand dollar a gig once I graduate. Like I have one more year to go through, mm -hmm. and AMU was going to be my next move. 
I was getting heavily recruited also for that, where Max was. And I wanted to graduate college so I could be, at that time, I was like, I knew it was going to be Max's boss and equal to Julie. I didn't want to be bossed around by Julie Golaski, right? right? But at the time, I was like, you know, I want to be equal to Julie. I didn't want to come in as it. So I wanted to graduate with, have a bachelor's degree and go into it. So I, I was already in it. So I wanted to well finish it. And Mike's like, hey, because as soon as you're done with college, let's talk. And I was like, okay. So as soon as I was done in 2002, we were shooting a match locally. He goes, what are you doing now? I said, I'm trying to, I'm doing some work, technology, computer work in the hospital. And he goes, he goes, you're interested in teaching? Have you ever taught for? Lied my ass off. Yeah, I taught all my life. <laughs> you lied your Lied my ass off. <laughs> Mike's like, okay, because I'll get you in a contract and then I'll introduce you to one guy. One guy was like, oh, I met you in Pennsylvania. He goes, okay, let's go. Talk. Got into contract and ran to a bunch of like heavy muscle bearded dude that just came back from deployment, mostly special forces guys. And I'm like, who are those guys? Like, yeah, those guys are instructors that work for here, but those guys are like special. Yeah, don't don't, ask any don't questions. mess or don't talk to <laughs> Don't take guys. no pictures. <laughs> and then I'm in a trailer signing my life away. And then I get a secret, I got approved secret because at that time I wasn't an American citizen. And they found out, they freaked out. They said, well, you can't be here. This is a top secret program we're working on. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like everywhere. So, so one guy vouched for me and said, don't worry, he's a good guy. I will escort him everywhere we go to buildings and seeing things. And I couldn't see certain documents, but I could teach certain things. So it was a weird dynamics there being top secret clearance versus secret clearance. Did you already have the paperwork started to get citizenship? No, because we didn't want to because we had land that we owned in the Philippines. You can't own land when you become a U.S. citizen. Yes, if we own land, we have to renege a Philippine citizenship. We would lose all the land. Yeah. So that was a that was a scare. Like that's money. You got so you got right. So <laughs> everyone was like, no. So this is the cool. So I'm the first person in my family to to become the U.S. citizen. Okay. When I paved that way, everyone followed through. Because how long that process take? So it's crazy. So here, there's the, the process of citizenship. For me, it was two weeks. Okay. <laughs> I was but, I was curious. If- but the whole process <laughs> started when it was 1983. My mom started that process, right, oh, to bring us over, okay. and then and get a resident. So alien. somebody found somebody found the paperwork and said, "Get this process." So <laughs> by so 2006 is when I became a citizen. So 2002 to 2004, all I did was, or 2002 2005 ish, all I did was contracting, right? Living the life of dreams, 650 a day, 700 dollars a day, teaching. Learn how to teach to the government. People would, luckily I had good mentors. They would just show me how to teach, break down the fundamentals. All these military guys like me. Yeah, I don't, I don't recommend lying but it worked out it this worked time out. <laughs> worked out lied my ass off worked out. I, I could tell stories about how my first class went in front of a bunch of navy seals embarrassing they pulled me off the line after oh no oh, but anyway really? yeah you got that's called a different out. story yeah you oh, got, totally. oh you got called oh, out oh yeah they're that, like you haven't taught shit yet. well that's good because that was a humbling experience oh, yeah. i'm sure we won't, we, won't, we, won't, we won't go into it but it's a humbling experience yeah. but it made you realize okay this is not the path to go anymore yes i got, almost got fired Wow. Yes. They were like, you might lose a job. And I remember at the time, 22 years old, I'm going to lose $700 a day. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to learn this. And then so one one guy took me to his house, learned the EPOs and LPOs. I mean, EPOs and TPOs. I'm like, what is that? I still don't know what it is. And it's like terminal performance objectives. That's okay. the end goal. Okay. Enabling performance objectives is what you need to teach in order for them to get the terminal performance objectives. And got I'm like, it. EPO, TPO, that's important. I'm like, and I didn't know what it was. I'm like, all right. So I studied it. I studied these lesson plans in and out. And I'm like, these are things I know already. So I was like, how do I teach these special forces guys? They should know this already. They're like, no, you got to teach it like it's a five-year-old. Then they would watch them teach and I would watch them teach. Then I would teach. Then they were like, yeah, good, but tweak this. And it was the most amazing four years of my life. Wow. And then 2006 came, the contract dried out, except we were told to deploy. 
deploy. Like you need to go over there for contract. Dynacore came out, TC came out. He's like, if you want to do continued contracting, you need to go. And my buddies were like Rangers and my roommates. And they were like, yeah, we're going. Marine, uh, uh, Marine uh, Force Recon guys like, yeah, we're going. Jay, come with us. You're awesome. We'll go with us. We'll take care of you. It's $1,000 a day. Let's do it. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I'm making 800. All right. Let's do it. Pause. <laughs> what did mom and dad think about that decision? Hell no. <laughs> I went home and said, dad, I found another job. This contract's over. I want, I want to work here. My buddies are going, my roommates are going. They're like, where are you going? It's like, I think we're going to a green zone, a forward operating base or something like that. Oh, no. And he goes, wait, where are you going? I'm like, they call it a fob. We're safe because it's, it's surrounded in base. And you were 20 how old? 25 at this time. Okay. I was like, I'll sign this contract and yeah, well, we're going to go for six months, come back for two or three, go back again out there and all we do is teach. You broke your mom's heart. And my dad goes, no, you're not going out there. You're going to fight. I'm like, dad, we're not fighting. I'm just going to train guys. He's like, no, I'm going to say no to this. You're not going. Oh, you're, I don't care if you don't have a job. And, and your mom was backing him up. Oh yeah. My mom was like, you're not going. You, sorry. Oh, so I was so I was depressed because now I made all that money. Now I don't have any money. Right. My guys are going. Those are my boys. And I worked with them for four years, five years. We got so it's close. A new together. That's a new family. Yes. Four years, five years. We yeah. lived together. I slept on a dining table on an airbed for four years. Did you really? Yes. Because I didn't because they didn't want me to go somewhere else. They wanted me to stay with them, but there were only a two bedroom apartment. Right. So every night I would face the chair sideways so I wouldn't fall off, put my airbed on the t dining table right. and sleep there for four years. Wow. That's, that, that, that's what it started. But making $700 a day. So all it is pack, you didn't pack. have time to spend the money hardly no, though. We worked our asses off. Yeah. Yeah. So it was amazing. Like there's so much more, there's so yeah. many more stories. Did, did How many you, fights we got? Yes. Did you go? Did not go. You did not did go. Did not go. I was depressed. And I remember almost winning the world championship in 2005. I think I came in third. I choked. I was leading and Rob Latham said something and I ended up realizing I was in a lead, not knowing I was in a lead, choked terribly. And then I, I remember I was depressed from that. And then I, I was depressed because my boys were going. I wasn't. Right. Now through this process of four years, was that how you met your wife? Not yet. I oh, haven't we're met not, her yet. We're not there yet. No, no. I met her five, seven years okay. later. You, so what did you do after you got through the depression? So here's the that can be serious when you lose, you, you, you have lose, a family just move away. Yes. That, that can be pretty tough. And then. Because they tr you trusted them. Well, even worse, I lost a couple of them out there. Oh. When God. they went, uh, eight of them went, five of them came back the first trip. I was like, what happened to you? I was like, what happened to this? Let me ask you a this. personal question. Did you feel guilty because you weren't there? No, I didn't know anything of that. I okay. just, I just said, what happened? Good. And I said, I said, man, he goes, it was a rough, it was a rough contract. We got shot up every night, got blown up. He goes, they, they moved on and took EP work. And I was like, what's EP? Executive protections. They were driving oil tankers mm -hmm. and they got blown up. And wow. I'm like, fudge. I was like, I'm glad I wasn't there. And I remember thinking that I remember feeling a little guilty saying that, but I'm yeah. glad I'm like, man, 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 my dad was right. I'm not an army. These guys are fighters and they died. Right. Like these guys were the bad You were going of, there to train and just, just be a part of the yeah, support group. Yeah. So I was like, man, and I was like, oh, mm. that's kind of, so guys were banged up and then they went again. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't think that's my life. Right. And I remember that thinking, and I remember the guys that we trained, one of the agencies, I remember talking to them and said, are you guys hiring? And that's when Ron Francisco, do you know Ron Francisco? I do not. Ron Francisco is this, one of the other mentors that changed the course of my life. Okay. He's a, he's a former, he's a badass federal agent, right? Okay. Amazing dude. But he has, he was an agency federal air marshal at the time he's like i'm like are you guys hiring he's like aj yes but you have to be an american citizen and i'm like oh shoot okay so what do i do he's like do this and do this and get your passport and expedite it we'll start the process here we'll do this and he followed up on it so i got my job and my process of american citizenship within within a month i got a job in the federal government 
two wow. weeks to get my paperwork as just citizenship. People fast forward it knowing I have a special skill. I've, I've been competing all this time. Right. I'd almost won nationals a couple of times, play second, third, whatever. And then, um, and then, uh, and then run and then get into this job. So once I got that job, it was one of those things. Hey, you're going out to train now in Artesia for four months and stuff like that. So what was your job when you, when you got home? So I was, I was a federal air marshal. You were a federal air marshal. Air marshal. So I still to this day, it's weird to even say that because for law so long, no one was supposed to know. And that was what I did for 10 years. That's right. Cause nobody knows who yeah. they are. Yeah. Even I couldn't. So we had a, co- we had cover stories. I'm always ready for it. Right. So like they, they teach you how to talk. They teach you how to do this. They teach you how to read people's language. Right. They teach you how to, 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 to understand body language, body and, language yeah. and all this stuff. And before they even, the, you know, the, the, you, you cues, physical cues and all this stuff. You learn all these cool stuff. That's 26 years old. I'm like, I'm, I'm in shape. I'm all I did was fight, shoot and train. Like there was nothing what we did for six months, but that right. workout, fight, shoot and train. And you, so you flew everywhere. My million miles. Yeah, I flew. So that was another thing. This is a weird thing. So Simon, I went back to the real world. I told them as Simon. Okay. And I told Ron, I'm not going to put my name as JJ because JJ is not an official documented name. That's right. So JJ is just a nickname in the shooting world. So I go in the class, my first class in Artesia or wherever we were, yeah. location. Exactly. And the, the instructors play a video. So this is the kind of shooting we want you to get. And they, they show Rob Latham, Jerry Barnard. And then a clip of me comes on. I'm like, oh shit, that was me. Oh my God. And I'm like, <laughs> and my buddy next to me goes, was that you? And I'm like, yeah. So I said, hey, I shoot a little bit. Don't say anything. So he goes, okay, I won't say anything. You didn't tell him to stop the tape and rewind it. <laughs> they started talking about it. So yeah, this guy and this guy, um, I met this kid, JJ. He's pretty cool. Um, I'm like, fudge, I, got, I, said, I don't remember meeting him, but he says, told my name, Rob Latham. And I'm like, man, I don't belong in that conversation. You just got called out with all the champions. Not, yes. <laughs> and didn't recognize me because I'm in a blue shirt. Right. I got you a hat on. You didn't have the gun and holster. Simon. And then so <laughs> when they go around background, I stood up. And I said, hey, my name is Simon Rukaza. Uh, no prior experience, um, college degree, and I work in the computers. You did not say competitive did shooter. Not. I sat right back down. And one guy's looked, Why? I didn't want anyone to know. Okay. I didn't want to be treated different. I, didn't, okay. I just wanted to be under the radar. Fair enough. Put my head down and do whatever was told, right? Yeah. Bust my ass just like everyone else. Okay. One of the instructors, as we got out, was like, hey, stay in the classroom real quick. And he goes, <laughs> he goes what's, what's your real name? He figured it out. And I was like, Simon. And he goes, show me ID. Show him my ID, Simon. He goes, sorry, you look like somebody I know. That was it. You didn't even say didn't him. say anything. You didn't tell him didn't at all. Didn't tell him. Didn't. When did they? Okay. <laughs> they had to find out. Yes. They okay. found out midway through. Um, they called me. They start, it was a, I think it was American Handgunner. A picture of me came up because I could play second in the, I thought I won the world championship in 2006. Okay. Right. So a big, a big article came out. Um, World Speed Shooting Championship, a big article came out with my face on it in the magazine. I think it was American Handgun or something. One of the instructors was holding it, looks down, looks at me, looks down, looks at me, and he goes, this got to be you. And I said, yes. I said, I'm sorry, yes. And he goes, holy cow. He goes, how how long have you been here? When did this happen? I said, just last month before I left. And he goes, holy smokes. I'm like, please don't say anything to anyone. He goes, I won't. But from now on, you're known as page 27. Page 27. <laughs> so all the instructors started calling me page 27. Page 27. They didn't, know, what they they were didn't know why. Nothing. They would, they would beat me to he death. He gave you a nickname of page 27. Yes, to page, page 27, come over here. When, when you were shooting in situations with everybody else around doing trainings, did you hold back? Yes, okay. a lot. 
uh, even the qualification, I would, I would slow, I would speed up the trigger and all this. And whenever right. no one was looking, I would speed it up, but then I would try to just drill holes. Okay. And I never forget instructors would come up to me and go, Hey man, um, spread your shots out a little bit. They bleed faster when you do that. Hardcore instructor would tell me, I'm like, really? <laughs> Don't shoot that same spot. Don't learn how to shoot that. Shoot faster. Right. So, right. So that's what we did. And, um, so yeah, I graduated not, not telling anyone there. Nobody ever knew. One guy took a picture with me. One of the instructors kept the secret. A couple other guys, like, graduation, they started to figure out who I was. They're instructors, not my, my classmates. Right. So, yes. So Holy that's how it, cow. That's how it was. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. So, I went to a different side of training, which is geared towards what I was going to be doing. Okay. That's another set of two months training. Once I was there, here's how it blow. It came out of the water where everyone knew what it's it was. where the two worlds collided. The scenario, there was a scenario-based training with role players. And they, you know, shoot to threat stops. And I was one of the agents, looked over, there was something, the incident happened, looked over, looked at my partner, he checked it, good. I looked at the guy, like my rest to me, doing my all pre, they had these fancy words, but basically making sure my surroundings clear, right? Right. Doing my, my check, you know, all that stuff, my covert draw and all that stuff. And I got my gun, hit it under my leg like this. And as soon as I had the opportunity, I'm like, I'm going to take this guy out, I'm going to shoot that guy. He's like, I'm going to do this right now. And I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm going to do this. I know I can do this. As soon as he looked away, no, I shot him in the head. Three shots in the head. One, two, three. And I remember shooting right here. He looks over and he goes, and he makes a face. And I went, oh shit. He went, isn't down yet. So I fired one, three more shots in his, in his, um, in his face mask. And what were you? Lit up. Air, airsoft? Yes. Okay. Sim rounds, right? So yeah. rounds, pop, 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 pop. Then I fired six rounds. To me, with one, two, three process, shit, he's looking at me, fired one more, th three more rounds. Ta, ta, okay. ta. And then I said, and then he goes down and he's got this look like, unreal whatever like what are you doing shooting me in the face and then i looked at the other guy and all i can see is now the role players are standing up all i can see is his head so i fired two shots in the head as he's looking at me and there was two shots here this guy's got two alpha yes two <laughs> shots somewhere in the face but i remember in the, it's in a clear face right and then he goes down and then i go up and then drop this guy and then I go through my post and whatever right my police don't move and all that stuff my partner and the instructor was like mother he goes stop index out of roll stop you holster and i'm like you holster we holster index and we put our belts everything good hands up everyone get out clear everyone get out stay and i'm like so i sat down and he goes who the f told you <laughs> to shoot six rounds in the head you think you're freaking some hot shot and i'm like sir i don't i don't know i don't i didn't mean to shoot six rounds but he didn't go down he goes you talk, you, he goes, you're lying. He goes, bullshit. He goes, I can get you fired right now. Tell me that you, you think you thought that fast enough that you recognize that he didn't go down after, after six rounds. It's like, he didn't go down until the sixth round. And he's like, he goes, and the other side, you shot cross cabin, shot two shots in the face. He goes, you did that too. I said, yes. I only shot two because he went down after two. He goes, BS. He goes, come over here. And he pulled one of the instructors. He goes, Hey, that's JJ. And that's when I was like, what the heck? Uh -oh. How do you know me? And this guy goes, JJ? I was like, yes. He goes, cool. Ron said hello. And I'm like, hey, Ron, how you doing? And he goes, someone fill me in. I don't know what's going on. Are you a freaking mole? Are you one of us? And I'm like, no, but I did. I taught this 2002, 2004. So I'm, I, I did this before I became one of you guys. And he goes, so that's all your background. I said, well, yes. And I shoot competitions. He goes, what the hell? He goes, what are you, what's your rank in competition? I'm like, I'm a GM. He goes, what? And at that time I was a double GM. I was a limited and open. And he was like, what? He goes, who are you, JJ? He goes, come over here. He Page goes, 20. So yes. And then one of the instructors came in and was like, Hey man, get the instructors. This is JJ. I wasn't supposed to say anything, but I knew of him. Ron told me about him. Take care of him. Guys, introduce yourselves. And then one of the guys, the three of the instructors was like, yeah, I knew it. You're my instructor when I was going through. 
And I'm like, oh, that's mm. cool. So we, everyone got cool. We go back, pull it in. And everyone was like, all right. Everyone's looking around like, what's going on? I just sat there like with my head down. And instructor comes in. He goes, anyone of you dumbasses decide to shoot six rounds on the head, I will personally cream you myself. Except for JJ. And everyone goes, who is JJ? <laughs> everyone looks around and, and I just look down and then no one said anything, right? And then finally, with Joe Mendez, my, my, one of my teammates, looks at me and he goes, are you JJ? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you need to explain this, bro. Oh and I'm like, goodness. all right, he was a Marine. And so that's, that's, that's how it kind of started to blow up. <laughs> so later, and essentially while I was going through training, mm -hmm. no longer was it Simon, it was becoming JJ. You're still hiding on practice score though. Because I, yes. I remember seeing practice score and I was like going... I didn't know who it was for a while. So, and then I figured that out and I was like, oh, that's JJ. <laughs> it was JJ for a while until it wasn't because practice score, you needed like official names. Okay. And then when I traveled to international um, world championships, it was much easier to put my full name. Yeah, because all your, all your yes. documents and so papers and everything else. So it would always be like Simon, like, oh, JJ. So I'm like, you know what? I think 2012 is when I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put Simon now for everything. And I think that's when right. practice course started coming around. Yep. Simon for everything. And it's like, all right, this is this year's the world shoot year. It's like, let's put the official name with the password. I mean, with my middle name, initial, and all right. that stuff. So that's how it all came about. That's so awesome. Yeah. What, what does JJ stand for? Joseph Jr. Joseph my Jr. My dad has this thing of call, giving everyone a nickname. Joseph Jr., Joseph's baby. Your Joseph first name's name is Joseph? No, Simon Joseph Simon is my Joseph. first name. Well, my first name is Joseph. Oh, really? Nobody knows that. Joseph Bryan is Get my full out. name. No, that's why I was, I was curious when I heard that. So, oh, yeah. that's your first name. Yeah, Joseph, J Joseph is my first name. Joseph Bryan. Yeah, I was always called Brian. And, you know, when, you know, that's all, I'm sure when I hit my certain age and I got to you know, get Medicare to be Joseph again. So yeah. right now I'm Brian. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, my, I have two first names, Simon Joseph. Yeah. My middle name's the Chavez. It's my mom's name yeah. and Rakaza. Wow. And I was, yeah. So you went through all this and you're, you know, we're, so we're four years into this. So when did the, the, the wife come in? That was so what she does is what again? Yeah. 2006, <laughs> 2000, fast forward. Cause that really stopped me about 20 minutes ago. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so 2010, 2000, 2010. Okay. There was a Richard, she Richard Reed shoe bomber, the Christmas bombing. Yes. Where, right. Mm -hmm. And another Muhammad, um, the groin bomber. Okay. Started coming about. There was a special program by president Obama that said, Hey, we need, more bodies to protect and more agents in my agency. And at the time I was working for the New York field office as a lead finance instructor now. So I did the job for about two to three years. And then they pulled me right away as a, we need your help in the firearms division. We need you to lead it. There's right. an opportunity for you to sit on the ground and do what what's meant for you. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. So I applied for it, got the lead finance position. And so anyway, New York was one of the largest field offices in the entire country. That's right. There's DC and us. And so since it happened in New York and all that stuff, they wanted to focus on New York as a tester. So I wrote up a program and firearms and how to make bring all these, anything under the DHS flag, CBP, HSI, ICE, um, uh, Department of uh, Secret Service. They were recruited, a, f a few of them, the good people were recruited to come and join us and do our job. So we'd have to do like an, uh, a crash course training right. for them. And then, then, then they get to fly and partner up with all this stuff and go to missions. So my wife was one of the first ones in class. Wow. Yeah. That you trained. Yes. I was, that was, and it was a weird thing because that was the only class that I ever trained and was a part of mm -hmm. the, the initial class. The rest of it, once the late, once my program was set in the fire division and it was approved, I was busy either going on mission or I went to top shot for his, for, I was gone for a couple of months. Right. And then did the whole TV thing. But that was the only class I got to teach 
and the, the program ran after me after it was set. How long was the program? The program was a, it was supposed to be a 40, 80 hour work week, but they dwindled it down to a, um, 32 hour week where we trained DM, I mean, defensive measures, mission train tactics and all that stuff in firearms. And then you, so you only knew her for a week in the class. Yes. yes. Okay. I knew her for a week in the class, three or four days, got to know her. She was easy. She's pleasing in the eyes. Right. Tall girl. She can fight, does jujitsu, does Krav Maga. Right. And then just so happens to be that when we first to qualify in order for them to get the job, she gets the highest score that we've seen from anyone else yet. Okay. So she gets the highest score and I'm like this, what's going on? It's because like, the shittiest shooter or the guys that failed <laughs> gets private tutoring with me. And they were like, hey, no. She goes, she's got the highest score. As so I walked up, I said, good job, but I think you shot a little slow. Oh. And she looks at me, she goes, what? I said, no, that's the highest score, but you shot a little slow. You can speed it up. You're going to need to shoot up a little faster. This, your agency, my agency is slightly different. No walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Shit talking another agency. <laughs> Yeah, being a jerk was my approach. It, 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 and as that, so you had an, it was an actual approach that, no, that okay. not. it just came okay. out. My, it, it, my nervousness. Yes. Yes. So it was it frowned upon for teacher to go after a student? No. Okay. So at that point, <laughs> at that point, I didn't. Okay. Because she was my student. Okay. So a you student. left to go do Top Shot after that. So not yet. So, with that, okay. so I did that. And then a week later, I said, they graduated. They became. So I told my supervisor, hey, can I ask one of the ones out? Oh, so you asked for permission? Yes. And my supervisor was like, sure. I was like, there's no more conflict of interest. You're no longer an instructor to her. Okay. You're equal. She's actually above you because she's a special agent. I'm like, wait, she's a special agent? <laughs> like, yeah, she's 1811. You're 1801. I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm like, yeah, she makes more money than us, dude. And I'm like, God dang. <laughs> so I talked to her and then, yeah, let's ask her out. And we started dating for like a week. She didn't turn you down the first time? She didn't. So oh. it, was, it was like, I was like, it was the funniest thing in the world. Cause I, I'm not very slick with words. Um, <laughs> you would never know that out today on the range. You're pretty fast. Yeah. So I go, she must've taught you well. I said, yes. <laughs> I said, I asked for one thing and she said, yes. I said, we should hang out sometime. She said, yes. I said, that's one. Yes. And then she goes, Hey, we should, I said, I should get your number. She said, yes. I said, you know what? I got freaking, I'm in a roll. I said, want to go out tonight? And she goes tonight. Like right now I said, why not? And she goes, sure. And I said, well, that's three freaking yeses in a row. So we went out that night and had dinner and big worst storm, no snowstorm in New York. And yeah, and that was, the rest was history. And then a week later, I told her, I said, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go away for about a month and a half. I can't tell you what I do. I can't tell you where I'm going. She's used to hearing that. I'm sure. Yes, because she kind of based goes, on her role, <laughs> she goes, is this for a mission? Are you doing something stupid? I said, no, it's very safe and it's not for work. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I can't really tell you, but I'm, I'm going to film something. It's going to okay. be, sh I'm going to show you later what I'm doing, okay. not hiding anything. And she goes, super suspicious, but okay. So I knew her for about a week. We were dating for about a week, okay. week and a half. And I left for two months. Did you talk a lot when you were gone? No. Or did you just have no, you complete, no cell phones? So you complete dark out. Complete dark out. Okay. All I had was a picture of her on my, on my, on my notebook. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. And in and, and Top Shot, was where you were going? Yes. Okay. Yes. So was that just a whole nother experience? Of, yeah. Oh, you know, was it, was it, you know, one of those things where do you miss TV like that? Or you think it's too dramatic played out? There was some good and there was some bad. Okay. A lot of it was good for me because the, the ripple effect later on in the years of being recognized and yeah. from other companies 
because I did. I I got lucky and represented myself well on TV. Mm-hmm. I could have easily been representing myself completely different, right? right. Could have completely dick whatever. Or they could have edited however. Exactly. That, um, that's where I was going because it's all produced, sure, right? And it's all they, they, they take show it what, out of context. They show what they want to show. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I would just so happen to be likable enough where they were like, "Hey, this guy's pretty good. I like him." Whatever. Whatever I said seemed to play off well. Mm-hmm. And so all the companies now were like, "Oh yeah, we know you from Top Show." So it was. Oh, that's pretty cool. Nice. So a lot of guys do that. So when you were gone for a month doing TV, yeah. how much longer did you continue to work with what you were doing with the with the? I agent? did another five years. Really? Yeah. So at that time, after, right after, right that time, I was really about, I, I, 2008, I considered quitting the sport. Again? Yes. I considered quitting the sport because there was something that happened, something stupid that happened at work that I almost could have like died. Okay. Right. So I was like, all right, I got to get better at what I do. So I took, I took jujitsu so, seriously. So that's where you were going to take off from the sport because you had to focus on this stuff that could cost you your life if yes. you weren't prepared for yes. it. Yes. Because you were taking too much other time shooting, which wasn't preparing you I, for yes. life. And that was it. I was like, I'm really good okay. enough for shooting. Okay. No one can beat me in the – whoever I've trained with, right. seem to I've seen them beat them. But they can out-tactics out me. They can read people better. They right. can they understand layout better. They can land nav better than me and, you know, like fight better than me. So I said, I need to learn how to fight better. Okay. I need to learn how to jujitsu. I suck on the ground. So started doing that. I was good in my hands since a kid. And then I was like, I need to understand all these other classes. So they started doing that. And then I went to try out for GRT, which is a specific group. And that was, that was a heavy handed group because that was selected Top tier group. That was GRT stands for Global Response Team. Global At that response time, it was team. federal okay. uh, federal enhanced missions team. It was like a that's basically for lack of better words, the SWAT for the federal okay. for Department of Homeland Security at that time, right? Okay. And so I tried out for that, and I was like one of the first civilians to try out to be able to make it. Uh, it was a yeah. So it was, we did that, and then finally, once we did that, I was able to to do the top. Essentially, it was like chase the top part of this competition world is what I looked at. Right. And so I'm like, this is what I need to get good at and be, be, be serious with this. So that's when we started to really, um, my career was my primary focus, not necessarily shooting. Right. So I did that for a while. And then I went shot one nationals in 2008 and then I got second. And I'm like, man, if I put a little bit more work on this, I could have won this. What year was this? 2008. Okay. And I was in Bozeman, Montana or okay. something like that. And I was like, oh, I could have done better. And then, so I, I put in a little bit more in 2009. 2009, I almost won it. I had 2009 Las Vegas Nationals. I had a 43-point lead going to the last stage and my gun crept out. Wow. Completely blew up on the last stage. Everyone was congratulating me before I ran. Congrats. I blew up. I ended up third. Max won it. Casey was second and I was third. And I said, I, I can have this. I can do this. If I just do what I did. So when you were doing the shooting, did anybody know what you were doing on the, as your real job? Yes. Or did that stay not, quiet? I kept it quiet because like, okay. it was secret. World, oh yeah. Right? yeah, yeah like it's a it lot was, of things going and on. I didn't want to tell people what I did. And so people, some people knew cause there were some, some of us that shot. Right. So there was word out there that I worked for a federal government. And then, um, so there was certain things like that. And then, and then, um, one, I think one time an article when I won my second or third world championship, title in 2009 i don't remember anymore our article was written by tsa and department of homeland security and they blurred my face out but they put my name on it (laughs) simon jj (laughs) ricazzo i remember that i'm like and everyone was like dude this is you 
Wow. That's Simon JJ. There's no Simon <laughs> Rakaza. This is JJ Rakaza. <laughs> and so guys that knew me as JJ recognized that and guys knew me as Simon. It all came together. And that was it. And people was like, hey, dude, we're not calling you Simon anymore. It's JJ. So the world <laughs> now became my, now my college friends are still Simon. Right. That started to dwindle down and became more JJ now. Wow. Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> That's and so cool. That, yeah, I met my wife. She was Secret Service. And then. So when you were gone for a month and came back and. You were still, she was there. You were still dating. Yes. We were still dating. She stuck around. Somehow right. she saw something good in me, um, came back. She was still single. Um, and then I was like, Hey, so we took it more seriously. And then man, I was like, I really like this girl. This girl's got her shit together. She's got a good job. She's right. a freaking head on her and she's everything that I can ask for. Right. right. Beautiful, tall, smart. And, and I, I was thinking too, like if I ever have a kid lucky enough to have a kid with this, I'm I'm step ahead because the kids are going to be taller. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, there's good genes. She's, she was a D1 athlete. Wow. She ran track in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Florida University, I believe. So she's a Gator. Um, so she's got good genes. Right. Dad was a doctor. I'm like, all right, that's good. My dad was a doctor. It's going to be an easy mix. So I was like, all right, life was good. Wow. Yeah. And that's so cool. throughout this whole time journey of all these other things that I did, I was shooting competitions mm -hmm. little by little chasing world championships here. And when there. did you go to move to the, to, to the West coast? Um, 2015, there was an opportunity. It was weird. It was 2015. There was an opportunity for us to leave the government because we wanted to work our way down to Florida. So you went, you left when yes. you moved, when you moved to the West coast, you got out of that job. Yes. With yeah. what intentions? Just money saved, and here we go. That was no, it was not here. If we saved some money because we were Dave Ramsey follower. Okay, um, so you do familiar with Dave Ramsey? <laughs> yeah, I do know. Yeah, Dave so Ramsey, Dave Ramsey yes. and us, we were doing like baby step right yeah. at that point, debt free at the time. Yeah, and so we're like, yeah, we got some money saved up. Let's start the business. The opportunity to be able to start your own thing without me, right? Um, without the government, because now I want to be able to work ourselves down. You got enough, you, you got tenured though with the government. No, no. I was nine and a half years in, and I left. What? Yes. You only had another half a year. Yes. All I needed was six more months. J I know. That's why I was like, it's crazy. JJ, it's crazy. Okay. But it continued. They couldn't wait. I don't know why. I couldn't wait. <laughs> six months to yeah, be like tenured. Something guided me. But anyway, <clears throat> they were trying to move me and promote me to DC, and I was like, I don't want to go to DC. Right. I was like, my my next transfer was supposed to be somewhere south where I can shoot. Texas, Florida, somewhere south. Yeah. And then they were like, no. I was like, Vegas, no. And then, so I was like, you know what? Let's explore this. I'm young enough at that time, 37. I'm young enough to be able to, or 36 or something like that, 35. I was like, I'm young enough to be able to leave the government and come back. I had enough network that I built in with right. a big network. I've, I've done a bunch of speeches for other good agencies. So I was like, I can come back and I get hired here if I fail terribly out there. Right. So my wife and I took a chance and left the government, resigned. And started a gun business. How long does she have in the government? So she's right now, she's only got 10 more, nine, 10, nine more years before okay. she can officially retire. So she's in still. Yes. She's still okay. In. Good. Yes. Cause somebody has got to have the yes. benefits. That was a, that was, this is where their life goes Good. crazy. Somebody's got benefits. Great. <laughs> I leave. She stays because she's the only breadwinner now. Yeah. I have zero income and I, I had some sponsorship, but they weren't paying. They were just like, whatever. I leave and start the gun store. I thought that was going to be my next career is the gun store and okay. compete and money was going to be brought in through the gun store. And if it was going to be enough, maybe either she retires. She was trying to transfer out to Vegas. But during that time, we had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So one-year-old and three-year-old stayed with me because she got recruited by basically handpicked to go into the Hillary campaign and the president right. and vice president detail. When you do that, you're traveling all over. Oh, you're, you're, you have yeah. no life. Yeah. So she would stay mostly in Biden's house, Clinton's house and, and follow them all over during right. the president campaign. Well, I had the two kids in Vegas by myself with no other family, just me handling a one-year-old and a three-year-old starting a business. 
So then now again, I didn't shoot again 2015, 2016, 2017. I would shoot only key matches like nationals, okay. one or two matches, just enough when she could come visit while I could go come back and she would leave. So I was doing that and that was a dark time in our lives. We, we talk about it and it's like what my mom did for 10 years, I did for about a year and a half, two years. And you realized how hard it was. Yes. And that's when I realized I'm like, you realized how mom. strong your mom was. Yes. I'm like, every time my wife left, my kids would cry. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, it's okay. My kid would cry and my kids and that's okay. Wow. And my wife would break down. And to me, besides my mom and my dad, she's the strongest person I've ever met. And, and, she, and, and she, she would lost break it. down. Mm. I'm sitting there trying to hold it together so I would be the strong one. But internally, I was falling apart. She, once she would leave and jump on the plane, I would bring home my kids crying and I would just hold them. That's all I could do. Mm -hmm. I would then break down on my own, on my quiet time. And when I break down, when I can't handle things, I would fight. That would be the only thing. So I would, I would, I would train my butt up, shadow box, mm -hmm. destroy myself. If I can feel pain, that's how I dealt with pain or grief or however. When I lost friends, and then arm, whatever, that's what I did. I would get myself in a dark space and beat myself up, whatever. Right? That's how I deal with things. Wow. So I'd get really aggressive. So my wife never knew. So when we ever go FaceTime, everything was happy, joy. We're doing good. Kids are doing good. But yet I'm falling apart because I'm by myself. Right. right? And then um, she would do the same thing. And once we hang up, kids go to, go to bed, I would do the same thing. Almost every night I would cry. You would got to let it out, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not ashamed to say it. Every night I would cry and I didn't know she was crying as well, but I held it together whenever I'm in front of people. Mm -hmm. Act like I was a la the funniest dude in the world. Like I was living a best life, but internally I was breaking out. And that's when I couldn't really shoot and perform the way I wanted to perform. Mental game is out. It wasn't there. Right. Whenever, even when I would go shoot, I'm thinking about my shop. I'm thinking about my family and all that stuff, right? Trying to just make them survive. Like no one died or something like this. It's all on me now. And then fast forward a, a couple of years later, whatever, my wife was able to transfer down to Florida, uh, to mm -hmm. Vegas. And now in 2017, we're together as a whole again. Wow. And that's what I said. She told me, she said, I know you've been waiting for this. You need to go as hard as you possibly can. And it was like, someone had like pulled a slingshot and <laughs> let me loose. And that's when I said, I'm going to make this worthwhile. That sacrifice we did, what my mom did, I got to make my life worth living. Did you have time to based on what you experienced just for that year to talk to your mom about none there's no time to reflect there's none okay. of that it okay. was just move forward move forward move forward okay. take care of what's because the, the crazy thing is if i thought about tomorrow i, I probably would have died of a heart attack yeah all i could do was one step at a time this kid is hungry feed it this one is wet or dirty change it this one now needs to go to bed put that nap this one doesn't want to go to bed play this one needs to go to nap. that was it was what I can handle at the moment. Right. And then now the business is calling. Hey, law enforcement is this. We're here. You're, we're shutting down your business because you don't have this. And I'm like, shit, now I got to do this. Bring my kids with me. Do that. And right. yeah, it was, that's all I could do. So there was no reflection time. Only when I cried at night and I'd think about my mom and think about my wife and what we're going through. But once you wake up the next morning, time to go right into it again. Wow. Yeah. And I knew it was 2017. Got fortunate enough to go to the world shoot for some reason. Place second in the world without shooting much, right? Behind. Behind uh, it's Jorge Ballesteros. Okay. Lost by like 15, 17 points. Right. Almost won it. 
2018, I didn't, 2017, I didn't re-sign with anyone. 2018, Shot Show didn't sign with any kind of sponsorship. A few sponsorship, a bunch of them dropped me. One of the, a few of them stayed with me. One of them was, um, um, Armscore and Google Rebus. Yeah. They stayed with me and they said, we'll pay you and we'll stay with you. We know you haven't been shooting much, right. but we know you're going to do something nice with this industry and trust me. And I busted my ass and had the best year of my life in shooting. Wow. That was when I won two nationals. Yeah. Um, third, a uh, second on the third one and got uh, awarded the aggregate best shooter in the country at that time. Mm-hmm. I remember that nine yeah. days of nationals. That was, and then so that was my very first big USPSA no match was nine days of nationals when, when you won that. I remember being at the awards yeah. ceremony and watching that happen because everybody was, everybody was standing up just going nuts. And yeah. you've been, been trying so long. I'd heard yes, 18 and, years and you got there. Yes. And that was so cool. 19 I, years. I, so many second places. I didn't know you then. I, I knew, I, I knew the name because everybody was saying, <laughs> JJ this, JJ that, but I didn't yeah. know the details like I know now. Yeah, wow. It's crazy. So, and it, now you're, you, you got down to Florida, you made it there. You're in the, the, the shooting capital yeah. of the world. It seems like everything's yeah. always, you can go to a match every Several weekend in Florida. GMs over there. Yep. Got a lot of stiff competition. Yep. And you're, you're rocking and rolling. You're yeah. making things happen. Yeah. Let, let's go, you know. Well, you know, you've been through a lot, even here recently. You've had nationals that have gone crazy. Good and bad. You, you've had you, you've had memes made about you and everything else. You made a comment when you get angry or you have a loss that you, you know, you do some shadow boxing and stuff yes. like that. Did you did you shadow box after the popper didn't go down? Um, was not, it, right, was, not immediately, but um, <laughs> it was that was a weird one. So when I lost it, I, I was a little bit upset but I was happy with my performance. I wasn't happy. So I look at two things when I'm competing. I look at my performance. I look at the results. Uh-huh. Sometimes I have good results. I don't like the performance. I will have to address it. Sometimes I have really good performance and I don't have the results that I like. So I don't have to address this. Right. How? Right. So those are the two things that I measure myself upon. When I have a good performance, it hurts a lot less than the results. So that one, I had a decent performance and I was able to, to come back from that mess, right? The popper gates. Right. And then to be able to just lose by half a point, I go, I had it. To me, that was mine is how I looked at it. Right. It wasn't Nils, even though he has a chance. It was, to me, I was like, nope. So this day, I'm like, that's mine. Right. Right. No, no, just take, no, take it no. away from the credit. That's yeah. just how I think. Right. So I didn't really go as dark. Okay. However, when I lost the championships, the national championship last year, mm-hmm. I went dark on that one, even though I had just won Carry Optics. Mm-hmm. Carry Optics was a very short lived joy because when I won it I enjoyed it at the moment when I was remember was standing up and looking at everywhere I like to experience things in a moment but as soon as I put the mic down it's game over because open nationals is the next right. we're flying home I couldn't I had to put it down because now it's back to zero yep. started and obviously Christian Siler is a beast right yep. so I had to focus on that and that was very short lived and then we, it was a good match all the way through till the third day and I remember my third day it was my fundamentals that broke down my fundamentals just started to break down. And once my fund, my physical skill sets broke down. My mental skills started fighting against me even louder. The quiet voice became louder and louder, right? Like I have this saying that I, um, that I heard a long time ago. Everyone's unbreakable until it's, it, uh, until they break, right? And I broke. And when I broke, I couldn't get myself out of the rut to the point where I went from close to being first to, to second and almost playing, fighting for third or fourth. I'm like, at this point, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm fifth or second or whatever, third. So when I lost that, my performance was the one that I saw. The results showed because my performance was poor. Mm-hmm. It, I, I had a surprisingly second result. I didn't even think I was second, but my result, the way I performed, didn't deserve second place. So I'm like, okay, respectable, not good. I went dark for a couple months, November, December. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My wife was, my wife would just walk. She understands me now. She walks to the gym and she's like, I know what you're doing. 
She goes, just be present when the kids are home. I'll do my best to do that. Whenever the kids are home, detach. But whatever, when it's time to work out, gym, I would destroy myself. Destroy myself. Same, same, same concepts as it was same years thing. ago. Same thing. I have a bag, a 75-pound heavy bag. Instead of hanging it, I would just carry it and I would just throw it in the air and then so fight it. When we, it when, we see the, when we see the videos that you're posting where you look like sometimes you don't show your face yeah. and you're working, yeah. you're destroying yourself well, I'm sometimes, but they don't realize yes. what's really you're going through your mind is like, yeah. there's a reason why I'm doing this with one arm right yeah. now. Yes. Wow. Yes. Well, you have been picked up by Beretta. Um, your whole life is, has been turned around and they've been very good to you. Yes. You've got a lot of great things going for you. What is next for JJ Ricasa? You know, it's, 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 it's funny. I was just asked that by one of the uh, SF guys. Um, shooting has, has, um, shooting has given me the life that I live now. It's a very comfortable life. It's amazing. Knock on wood. Super blessed. I can't even, I couldn't dream this. If I could dream it a long time ago and write the best perfect life, right. I couldn't because it wasn't anywhere near the realm. The life that I live now is un, uh, undreamable for me before. Mm-hmm. Shooting has also opened doors for me that I didn't know existed. Okay. And allowed me to see things on the other side. And, um, right. Um, can you give me an example of something like that? To be able to train the most elite military and see the faces of these guys that go out there and hear okay. those doors. Okay. To be able to live the life that I do now and, and provide for a family, and mm-hmm. live comfortably and see from where I came from in the Philippines that we didn't own a house to now I own my own house and we're debt free. Do you want your kids doing this one day? Yes and no. I, I, I don't care what they do. Um, okay. I'll just be there to support them. But I okay. told them, I keep telling them, I said, hey. Well, your dad brought a gun and put it on the bed. Yes. You know, you have options to put stuff on the bed at some point yes. yourself. So yes. that's why I asked that question. Yes. If you're going you to break the cycle. And the crazy thing is, I hid it, I hid it from my kids for a right. long time. Really? Because to me, shooting is selfish. Shooting okay. is my own gratification. Okay. Right now, it's being able to provide the family. But for the longest time, it was for me. Winning right. championships, I would do it for free. If I, if I would do it till this time, even if I didn't get paid. Okay. Um, I made it for the, for the long haul. Didn't matter if the, I'm getting paid the, or not. The USPSA is very important to you then? Yes, 100%. Shooting, okay. is, shooting is my life. Okay. So when people talk trash about USPSA yeah. and get mad about USPSA, right. I get a little bit offensive to that because USPSA has given me the platform to do what I do now. Very good. Very good words. Let me ask you this question based on that. How old are you now? 42. 42. Yes, sir. Do you see yourself at some point taking a bigger role with the USPSA to be able to continue to be the, the next generation of maybe the board or even a, a president or would you, or some some level of more to give back? Yes. That's, because that, that has been so important to you? Yes. That conversation has been had okay. um, several times as of late, but I'm not ready right now. I'm okay. too selfish uh, for myself, for my own self. It's good growth. for you to recognize that yeah. because there's some people that, you know, there could, you could be debated either way that they're in it for themselves and not for the organization. Sure. And that can, that, that. I don't feel either way. I just hear people talk. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can appreciate you saying that you're, you're too selfish to do that right now because that makes a big difference. I don't. So, and I'm hoping that someone will do what they, they do. Maybe by the time I'm like, oh, I don't need to, I don't want to run because someone's already doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. If you got, if you, got if you got somebody in place, it's just like, why, would, why would I run? What for? Right. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't need to do that. Right. Okay. That's just going to be a more. But hundred. you're still very close with what's going on with USPS. So, yes and no. Okay. I, I try to keep myself away from any of that drama. Okay. Um, I'm a very scatterbrained type guy. So, I don't want to occupy my brain to what else I don't need to. Okay. I got my family, my, my life, my shooting, and that's all I need to do. What's in front of me, right? My schedule, I can only deal with the one, one week at a time. My wife handles the rest of it. Right. right. Um, 
don't, uh, trying to get involved with all the nonsense and this, even the Poppergate when it was happening, I had no idea they were changing it. <laughs> and so someone kept forwarding it to me. I'm like, oh, they changed the rule. I'm like, this is great. Right. Because I don't, what I don't need to know, I don't need to know until I need to know. Okay. So that's what I, I don't need to occupy myself with that drama. Do you think there's a high percentage of shooters that are like that? Yes. And, don't, and don't follow what's really going on? Yes. It's just, a, okay. There's, I don't know about high percentage, but there's definitely a percentage of us out there that the, don't care. The group you shoot with a lot, you know, is, is one of those things. Because you 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 got a lot of people you shoot with all the time. I mean, you hear at Dragon's Cup, you got, we got a lot of the mutual friends. It's never talked about when we're around. Yeah. So that's there's why I was asking. No, we don't talk about there's, it. There's a very loud few percent, a small percentage. All right. And especially with social media, it right. gets attention. Right. Um, so that, that's, 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 that's a thing. Um, I don't know the rules. People ask me about certain rules. I'm like, I don't know that. We found that out today when we changed the target set. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we I, don't, I don't need to know that until I need to know it. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what for? <laughs> if I figure it out, it's like, oh, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> right. Don't. Did you ever have a desire to be an RO to learn the rules? I did. Okay. So, so when I was locally... I would, I, I would help and I would RO a lot and I would learn the ropes. Right. And that's when I started to really get into it early on in Jersey and when I'll shoot local matches. I would okay. run my squad, especially new guys, and I would walk them through it and be a part of that in a sense, right. right? Be a positive influence for most. As we get older, we all take different roles Correct. to help support different things, USPSA, Second Amendment, whatever. Do you ever see yourself taking a role to help ensure our second amendment's going to be there for years to come? Or is that anything that's ever crossed your mind just it as a has. shooter through Beretta and everything else? It has. Um, Cause I'm sure being with Beretta, you get aware of the more politics that happen because yeah. you're around of what guns can be sold, what they have to go through to get approved. There's yeah. so much more behind the scenes that you've been open to because of that. Correct. It's, so do you see yourself taking a role down that path one day? I, I, yes. I would love to be a part of that role. And it's kind of naturally kind of going that way because of my presence on the social media. Okay. I'm fortunate with, um, you know, like it's quite a big following, I guess. You yes, would say. you do. You have big responsibility. Uh, yes, and it's kind of it's uh, the, the way. What what I say influences a lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, and certain things like. So I really have to watch what I say and stuff like that. Now, um, certain people want to want me to get myself involved in certain things, and they'll get mad that I don't. I'm like, I just can't because. I, you know, like the Russia of Ukraine stuff like that would be an example. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I just can't. I have friends on both sides. I can't even have sponsors on one and all that stuff. But anyway, right. um, I just can't because of my following. It's a bigger responsibility. I can't yep. just go off on the cuff, right? Mm -hmm. Beretta being wanting, uh, watching what I do and all that stuff. So yeah, uh, but naturally as I go through, I'm seeing a lot of messages like you're one of the biggest story um, inspirationals for me to keep my gun, save my, uh, do this for my family and this and that. So I'm like, all right, I think there's something for me there. Nice. So when, when, when you ask people like, Hey, um, you know, you, the day you find out why is the most important day of your life. I found that out a long time ago, which is pretty cool. Very rare for that to do. Right. And I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Certain things are just getting added, like responsibilities now and stuff like that. Wow. We have covered so much today since you were seven years old. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing <laughs> your story. I didn't know anything about you. And I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> Did we leave off anything you'd like no, to discuss? Is I, this pretty much the, you know, the, it, wow. The one thing I can tell you this is that I haven't really spoken about the dark, the dark times of my life. Yeah. Um, as much as I did here. Well, it's gotta be the Kona drink. Got me. It, it's kind of <laughs> made you do it. <laughs> well, I, I thank you for sharing that because people, you know, as I've seen in the shooting world, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different opinions about a lot of things, but what brings us all together is this, is this sport or hobby yes. that we do on the weekends. It's this. And to, to, that's why I do what I do because I love having conversations with people because at seven years old, 
even 11 to 13 years old, if you're carrying a gun in a backpack in the Philippines. And I'm thinking about, you know, my son, you know, at 20 and I'm like going, you're not, even, you're not carrying nothing yet. You're not even here right now. So it's one of those things that, you know, just to be able to, wow. I don't yeah. know. It's just, wow. Certain people grow up fast, right? But yeah. in a different situation, I grew up yeah. fast because of the situation I was in. Yep. And I was you, there when the Marcus era during right now, you know, during the whole people power type stuff, right. the revolution. So I was there for that. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. You know what's, you know, Beretta is your sponsors. Anybody else behind you still? Yeah, so going on? That's the craziest thing to be sponsored, right? Yeah. I, never, I never was the guy that is, but it's built up to a quite a number of reserves, right? Yeah, I do have quite a bit of sponsors now that, yeah. and the crazy thing about it is they sponsor me, they pay me good money because they're not, they say, they always say this, they sponsor me not because of my shooting ability. That's just a big plus. They really sponsor me because of how nice I am and how nice I appear. That's mm -hmm. the most, I think the best compliment I can ever well, get. I will share something because I remember the first time, you know, you, you knew about my brand a long yes, time ago yes. and I said, go try these out. And you actually came to me and says, Ron, I don't want to take a chance on not liking these because I don't want to lose your friendship. Yeah. <laughs> and that meant I was like going, lose my friendship. I don't give a damn if you wear them or not. I just want you to try them. <laughs> that was 2018, wasn't it, it? Yeah, it was. But you went through all these different changes, but you actually just started wearing them, you know, last year, which was great. Yes. But it's one of those things. You, the reason you, you said, I want you as a friend. I don't want you as a, you know. As a as a as a situation Correct. to be Correct. somewhere we may not get along. Correct. That blew my mind. You know the crazy thing I, about it was that, that was so cool to me. What convinced me to not to take a chance or whatever was I was I had a headache from on two thousand I think it was carry right before carry optics nationals mm -hmm. or production nationals. Mm -hmm. I had a headache. My eyes were hurting from staring on yes, the right. sides. Yeah, all day long shooting. I think it was Marco yep. and Elena. They've been pushing you to Mar Marco's been pushing you since Marco <laughs> since Dragons Cup a long time ago. Grabbed it. Grabbed me a pair yep. and said, dude, you need to put this on real quick because you had it in your yeah. hand. And I'm like, man, I was like, all right, let me just put it on. And I remember the immediate relaxation of my eyes and feeling the sense of, holy cow, I can see better. And I feel like a lot of stress released from my eyes. Mm -hmm. And I go, Brian, can I take this? I'll never forget that. And you didn't <laughs> like the frame, but I said, I'm taking this. Yes, I don't like the frame, but take it with and you. And I tried to give it to you after the match. <laughs> yeah. And you said, no, that's yours. And I, yeah. that was what I shot throughout the year last yeah. year. And this mm -hmm. was just the new one. Yeah. And uh, when we saw each other two months ago. Yeah, I had some custom ones that I had special made. Now, I study faces all the time because I, you know, well, I study faces, but I see faces all the time. What, what frame fits them well? Yeah. And I had a custom pair in the van. I said, I think this fits your face a little bit better. And you're like, really? I was like, yeah, this would be good. So that's what you are now. I have so, two of these now. Yeah. One of them for the beach. And I've, I thought that was, that's, my wife put it on. She goes, why is this so good? She goes, these are just these whatever brand. And I'm like, well, I was like, no, 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 don't take that. That's my special. She goes, what's so special about this? I said, no, that's, uh, that's yeah. Brian's. She goes, holy cow, these are really yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm not, I don't care about the frames. I'm in the lens business. So that's what it's all about. I've been trying to get, that's what we were doing for two years. I said, if you get me a Beretta frame, correct, correct. I'll put my lenses correct. in there. Cause you were, you were, you know, nervous about, cause Beretta has you wearing all this stuff. And I, I respect that. I didn't have no problem. I with sent that. the message. Then all of a sudden I told you, I said, you realize everybody at Beretta is wearing Hunter's HD gold and you're not, right? I, <laughs> I sent an email. I said, I'm going to ask for permission, not forgiveness. I'm going to be wearing this. They said on photo shoots, you might want to wear this. This, exactly. But, and I'm totally fine with that. Like, no problem. Me, as I have no problem yeah, with that at all. So they've been but cool about it. I, I'm excited that, you know, I, I'm excited to be your friend. Yes. It's been, it's been so much fun. And I'm, I'm so Very excited easy. today to get to learn so much about you. Thank you. That, Thank that, you. that was so cool. You made me come out of my show a little bit more. Well, that's usually guarded. I, I think, <laughs> you know, you need to, you know, I think that I help 
I, I think it helps people grow internally sure. to be able to do that because you can be, you know, in a situation where it's just your process. Yeah. It's not yeah. bad. Yeah. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just who you are. Yeah. And that's what I, like I said, I love doing the show I do because it's just, I get to learn so much about individuals yeah. and how it all brings us together and what we do. I agree. Anybody else? This is your moment. Anything so, so I got Beretta. Yeah. Um, obviously, they've been amazing. Um, I got Google Rebus has been supporting yes. for a long time. Arms Corps has been supporting for a long time. Yep. Their ammunition has been pretty good. Obviously, Team Motley. Yep. I'm, I'm super biased with that. Marco and I became really good friends a long time ago before I even knew who he was. Right. It's amazing. Um, I think five years now that I've known the kid. Um, uh, uh, FTA, Fire Training Associations for like when I teach, they're yep. my insurance. Yep. CCW safe for my when I carry. Yeah. They're also my insurance, right? That's important. Yeah. They support me with that. And then I have a few new ones, which is amazing. I have uh, primary arms that's jumped in on board to, to support me with other things in regards to the ability to be able to source certain products quickly because they're a big um, online presence. And then I have uh, my lube company. I never I jumped in any lube because I wanted to be free to whatever I use. Right. But I've been using one particular one for so long, for six months now, because I've been, I was testing it. And for one, six months, and then they, I didn't even, I didn't even know the response. I just posted them one time and they yeah. contacted me for a sponsorship, but after right. I've been using it for six months. So now you, I, I use Radco Lube. They're okay. very new. They've been used by the military. I got it. I got to know about them through when I was training with one of the special forces guys. Nice. And then Tony Systems, the, the, they work well with uh, Beretta with, in regards to aftermarket stuff. So all my Beretta stuff is all loaded up with Tony Systems. And That's so stuff. cool. So I have a few so more cool. that I probably forgot, like Techwear shirts, jersey, yeah. they take care of my jersey. They're, Amazing. If but, anybody wants to know, they just follow yeah. you on Instagram and, and see what you do. And then my to, last and latest thing yeah. is the biggest thing, the Howitzer clothing. Really? Howitzer clothing is the ones, the company that pays for all my law enforcement training. So law enforcement guys, a group of them, depending on where I go, right. can train for free. Wow. Yes. And that's how my shirt, that's how we ended up coming up with a shirt combo. Now you were doing Beretta clothing for a while. How did that yes. conversation go? Not, nothing. It was the same. The Beretta was like, your sponsorship is just to allow you to, to be able to wear whatever's in our site. You can, you have access to it, but it's not exclusive. You're exclusive to the gun. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Good. I said, no way. I said, so I have this opportunity to train law enforcement, right. give back to the community. And they said, sure. Yeah, we'll support it. So That's so cool. I have my own shirt now and <laughs> we're creating new shooting shorts and shooting, shooting pants. It's amazing. Right. Well, I look forward to seeing when that's going to be available. That's so cool. I know. I wish I could so show cool. you some designs. It's, it's pretty awesome. You have a lot to show me over the next yes, couple of weeks. Yes, I do. I'll, 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 I'll hold you to I'll that. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. <laughs> That'd be fun. Well, anything else? No, thank you for letting me use your platform. JJ, this has been, a, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for watching this amazing episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens or listening to it on the podcast, watching it on YouTube. But until next time, we'll see you at the range soon. <laughs> Thanks, JJ.